Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, our special guest is Ali Ajami. This week, our podcast is going to be a little bit different than normal. I've had a lot of people write in to me just with questions related to accounting and structure and that sort of thing. And instead of trying to answer them myself, I just got my CPA on the phone and we're just going to pop through. I'm just literally going to read the questions that I've been receiving and we'll, we'll go through them. If you guys have more questions at the end of the episode, well, uh, Ali will put his contact information up and then we can contact yep. him and see if it's a good fit that maybe uh, you guys can work with him uh, like just like I do, or uh, you can just ask him a question. Well, besides, uh, just uh, introducing you as my CPA. Is there anything else I should introduce you as, uh, Ali? Um, I mean, I probably not. No, I mean that, that's really about it. You know, uh, we're uh, we're pretty boring. Other than, <laughs> uh, you know, we do have uh, a social life. Um, yeah. You know, I'm you know I'm married. Uh, I have a daughter. I have a son on the way. Uh, my Correct. wife is doing. Uh, <clears throat> thank you so much. My wife is doing August, so uh, we're anticipating uh, that arrival. And um, you know, we. Um, my company is uh, Global Tech Services. Um, I have a partner, Brent Green, as well. Unfortunately, he couldn't be on this uh, podcast uh, interview. Uh, he's traveling, but hopefully, in the future, we can definitely get him on. Definitely. So. Yeah. So, Ali, uh, what's the difference between an LP and an LLC? Well, um, the difference between the two is, uh, well, specifically for Canadian investors, uh, we do not suggest the LLC structure. And the main reason is because Canada, unfortunately, does not recognize an LLC as a pass-through entity. And this results in, on the Canadian side, while filing uh, a Canadian tax return, you do not get credit for the U.S. taxes paid um, for that year. So with an LLP, you do get that credit. So that's the biggest thing right there. Um, and so I, basically, I, I, I keeps you say, from a double tax, right? Yes, definitely. It keeps you from a double tax. Why do Canadian investors need CRA implications? Well, this is a commonly asked question. Um, <clears throat> so... What I would what I would say is um, there are significant differences in the treatment of certain items for U.S. and Canadian purposes. Um, the biggest one is uh, depreciation. Um, also, well, we, um, we actually in, have a. It's just a, what I've found because I was talking to a Canadian accountant is we we have uh -huh. a depreciation here, but it's a different schedule. Yours is like what twenty six and a half years, and ours is twenty seven and a half. Twenty seven and a half yeah. years. Yeah, okay. And ours is a longer schedule, so we don't get to write off as much. So it has to basically be done in the state. States at one rate and then done again in, in Canada at a different rate. Sorry. Good. Okay. No, that, that that that's good to know. Yeah. Like I said, to my knowledge, we didn't think it was allowed, but oh, that's that's great. And yeah. like I said, it's twenty-seven and a half on uh, on our side. Um, so you know, an individual <clears throat> also. Um, can be subject to capital gain tax in each country as well. Um, very few people are qualified to advise on both countries' tax laws. 
which you know we can definitely do that moving forward. Um, what's generally allowed is a tax credit for U.S. taxes paid on a Canadian, uh, Canadian tax return that goes back to um, you know now structuring the actual LLC. Now, do you expect uh, investors to be paying much tax into in the states anyway? No, not really. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, there's no specific uh, percentage that I can give you because yeah. all the uh, deductions that are going to be uh, uh, occurred throughout the year and then obviously the depreciation. But uh, from my experience, um, it's not going to be much. Yeah, no, that's that's what I understood too. It would be very little to nothing in, <laughs> until you have at least a lot of properties and generally a lot of exactly. Lot of yeah, there generally there is no uh tax liability. So, yeah. <laughs> we don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, I what I've found is that the any tax liability that could come, which it hasn't for me yet, will be in Canada Canada because we're going to be having a lower depreciation schedule, so we'll be able to write off less every year and um correct. And so it'd be almost like the properties in Canada. It's it, uh, the the real difference i found is just to you know you just have to have a couple extra setup fees up to start but it's easily outweighed by the amount of money you can make in the states whenever i first started talking with you uh, about a year ago or i guess last year you kept saying that an llc is a flow through would you be able to like sort of describe what a flow through is yeah so uh you want to know exactly what a flow through entity is yeah yeah, so the the flow through uh pertaining in, in an LLC is really where all your expenses are flowing through that actual LLC. Um where in other cases you wouldn't be able to flow them through and get the actual um deduction and credit for all the expenses that are going through in whatever type of business uh you're um you have chosen. Yeah, so yeah, it just basically flows through onto a personal tax return, it's not like you would think like a corporate tax return where you're filing corporate taxes and then and you're paying like a corporate rate. It, it just yeah, and then you're just your paying personal return. Yeah, yeah, where you're just paying a corporate rate uh, just on that tax return. Where the flow through is going from the actual the LLC onto your personal. The bottom line, which is if it's going to be a gain or the loss, is going to be thrown onto your personal tax return. Yeah, so if you were an American, it could actually help your tax implications for your like uh, your W-2 or your T-4 income. Oh, yeah, definitely. When would a Canadian need to file uh, taxes with the IRS? Okay, so when it... So in this case, it's going to be obviously, you know, I'll give you an example. You have activity flowing through 2018, um, any income, um, expenses occurred and then we're going to go on to 2019 the filing the tax filing uh period you know every year they kind of change it give or take two to four days so let's say it's january 28th that's when we would be eligible for tax filing for the previous year so bottom line is if you occurred expenses or income the previous year the year the year that follows is when you're required to file a tax return. And it's not necessarily, we don't want to quote it as a Canadian needing to file. It's anybody receiving U.S. Um, 
income yeah. or occurring expenses. What I'm curious about, what if um, someone wasn't buying those at all? What if they just put money into a syndication? So they were loaning money to some apartment investor in the States. Would they still need to file uh, with the IRS or is that just, could they just skip that step and go all the way straight back to Canada? Well, it depends if they're investing. I mean, if they're investing in something in the United States and they're receiving income, definitely. Okay. Um, yeah. If you're okay. if if you're receiving income from it from your investment, of course, okay. because uh, it's going to end up being income to that person, and then that person is going to have to um, document it with the IRS. So basically, you're going to have to file. A little bit of change of topic, but why would a CPA be advisable? You know what? Um I I always get this question. It's um w- with with this type of business, you know, international investing, I would I mean I would think it's more of an international tax expert which um you know, our firm um uh, we have CPAs and international tax experts. Um a CPA is more advisable than just a regular, you know, accountant um when it comes down to the certification. Um we can sign off on more things than an actual accountant can. Um you know, but the, the biggest thing is uh, the certi- the certification. Yeah, and, and having someone who understands the Canada, U.S., uh, the laws and the taxes and the, the, you know, the LLC implications, I found is very important because when I was, you know, re- initially just searching for accountants and uh, people to set up my LLCs, there are cheaper ways out there to do it. But then you're going and getting one piece at one place and one piece at another place. And yeah. you're talking to some people who know about Canadian stuff and some people that just know a quick, cheap way to set up an LLC. And I've gotten like, you know, just someone's handed me a pile of paperwork. Just follow these instructions and you can set up an LLC in this state. And, you know, and you're like, for real estate. And you go, oh, well, that sounds great. It's only going to cost me, you know, like whatever the filing fees are the state has before. But you're like, but geez, you wouldn't, you would have set it up wrong. You wouldn't have the partnership part of it. Ended up getting double taxed. Yeah, and, double taxed. And, 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 and I think a lot of it is just to find, you know, when you're building your team, is to find someone who actually understands the situation you're in. Even if you, I don't use, I do my bookkeeping myself, but if you end up using a bookkeeper, just to use a bookkeeper or someone who actually understands real estate instead of, you know, just being a bookkeeper, right? Because it's, it's different, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. And we pride ourselves in, you know, in the knowledge that we know on the international side. <clears throat> so, um, I mean, like you said, it's it's one thing. I mean, you could go open up an LLC, do a partnership with, you know, any mm-hmm. types of these structures online yourself, you know, and they'll walk you through it. But uh, at the end of the day, you don't have that that backup knowledge that you would in somebody like us or, I mean, anybody else, any yeah. other CPA slash accountant. And then, you know, it's just uh, it's a peace of mind where, you know, if you're unsure of something, you can always pick the phone up, send it, shoot an email. Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Oh, oh yeah. I want to invest here. How do I go about it? So uh, yeah. definitely, that's why it's uh, yeah. advisable. It's not worth it to save the, the 100 bucks or whatever to do it yourself and then find it. It's all wrong. No. You have you owe yeah. so much money and everything's going to it's gonna cost you three times as much to fix. <laughs> this is another question I had from a listener uh, of the show. 
For mm-hmm. someone who wants to buy multifamily, long-term buy and hold, what's the best corporate structure from two viewpoints, for liability and for taxation? Okay, great question here. Uh, yes, this is always asked as well. Um, I would recommend a two-tiered structure, where in a Canadian corp um, owns a U.S. corp that then owns the real estate. So let me say that once again, a two-tiered structure where the Canadian corp owns the U.S. corporation and then the U.S. corporation owns the real estate. Uh, The stock in the Canadian corp can be transferred with anonymy and no estate implications will occur. Also, this allows distributions at a max percentage of five in the U.S., is structured correctly rather than um, a distribution of a typical rate about 15%. Okay. So when when does that make sense to go to something like that? Because I'm doing all these single-family homes. Is it, you know, I guess it, when you hit a certain um, amount of money you're making or a certain number of properties that it makes sense to go to something like that? You go to that, stru- you go to that structure when your portfolio grows. Or if you have more than two partners and then you want to just set it up in a keep it in a corporation, um, that's when it would be advisable to pretty much go that route. Would that be an expensive transition, like for me in the future, just to switch all my get rid of the LLCs and transfer the property, or would it just be basically set up fees for the Canadian Corp, the American Corp, and then just do? Uh, the title transfers is that or what else would be involved yeah pretty much that pretty much setup fees i mean uh to get get rid of uh the actual llc's uh doesn't really cost much you can just let them dissolve or if you want them to um dissolve uh right there and then that would there would be a fee there but uh you can have them dissolve over a couple a two year period by themselves here i'm going to read another question i got from a listener my question for the account is related to filing income taxes. Do I file in the yeah. state that I purchased the home as well as in Canada? Do I also in- include the revenue from the rental income in the same way? Yeah, well, you're definitely going to go ahead. You're going to have to file a tax return in the state. So obviously you file a federal and then you're going to have to file a state return if that state requires uh, you to file because there are nine states without state income tax. which include Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, Wyoming, New Hampshire, and Tennessee. So to answer your question, if you have a property in a state other than those nine, you will be filing a tax return. Um, But if it's in a partnership, there's some partnerships that don't have state returns and um, you know, if anybody has any uh, further questions regarding that, we can get into further detail. Now, um, would it make sense to just uh, set up your LLC in one of those states, even if you're not buying one of those states? Would that save you any money, or is it actually any different at all? Um, I mean, if you're if you're looking at it from tax perspective, but um, you know, and we've had this conversation myself and you uh, before, yeah. so we suggest. In the beginning, you open up an LLC in the state that you purchased the property for liability issues, 
and um, not having any conflicts in you know your properties in Michigan, your but your the LLC that owns it is in Alaska, um, and then assets can become you know if ever sued assets in Alaska could come over come after the assets in Michigan. There's no li- liability coverage. Um, in the beginning, we definitely suggest to open up an LLC where you're investing. But as you get bigger, then uh, we could structure it where there's like an umbrella and there's liabilities for e- or insurance for each property in different states and LLCs. Perfect. I'm going to actually try and combine two questions from two different uh, uh, yeah. people who emailed them in, but basically they're almost the same question. But it's uh, the pros and cons of an LLC versus a trust or a cross-border trust. Okay. Yeah. So, the LL- like I said, uh, the biggest the biggest con with an LLC is it's not recognized as a flow-through um, so there's no tax credit granted on a Canadian tax return for U.S. taxes paid, so there's double taxation. Okay. Um, pros, as a Canadian uh, with an LLC, there aren't much because that's the, that's you know the biggest con right there that eliminates a pro. Yeah. So a cross-border trust, is uh, really necessary when the portfolio exceeds the U.S. estate tax limit, which is now $11.2 million per individual. Because it's favorable to U.S.-Canada estate gift tax treaty. Um, so there's a tax treaty that's um, between, the two sta- between the two countries, and it's favorable, like I said, towards U.S. and Canada. So if you're not if you're not up in the eleven million dollars worth of income from real estate yeah. every year, you don't really need to go there yet. We wouldn't even suggest to go there yet. Yeah, but then when you get into that range, then we can uh, cover a cross border trust. Would a multi tiered structure be better and simpler uh, as an approach, or is that something like I think we kind of covered that, where you sort of. Uh, it makes more sense as you get more properties at off the start. It doesn't really make sense. That, that's kind of where yeah. we're going. If, yeah. If the intention, if the intention, <clears throat> excuse me, if the intention is to buy and hold, or uh, an investment is relatively small, it may not be cost effective to create a two-tier structure. So, I mean, that that would be uh, that would be a suggestion. Yeah. What would be the preferred structure? Uh, if we were setting up a joint venture where all the partners reside in Canada? That's a great question. Uh, If the intention is to take cash distributions each year, then the LLP would be my choice. Um, But um, also, if you buy and hold, I would consider a corp. With the flat rate now with our new tax law for corp, uh, corporations being 21%, it now makes this viable it makes it a viable alternative um there is no one size fits all to this situation structure depends on the investment amount time horizon makeup of the investment group the more complicated the structure the more professional fees will be paid so that's something that's going to be uh that has to be taken into consideration so you're saying like they have back to the same sort of thing where you'd have the Canadian corporation and the US corporation is that what you mean yeah, pretty okay. much. 
I, I was just thinking for my own real estate. So say I bought a property with another, uh, you know, just another, someone else who already has doing the exact same thing as me. Would it be advisable for us, like for title to have like, you know, say my LLC and their LLC on title? Would that make sense? Or would it make more sense to set up our uh, joint LLC for the, than just basically start over? You know what? It just, it, it depends. Um, okay. It just depends on the person. Um, you're, you know, I mean, if you if you if you're a partner with that person, and, um, you guys have a good operating agreement in place, then I would say just the one uh, entity structure. But if you guys are both worried about your uh, your assets, and um, I mean, it's somebody that you're going into business, but you don't trust them as much, I would probably just for double coverage. Uh, go each one of your LLCs you can do. Okay. What would be some of the startup costs for the, these structures, like just to set up uh, an LLC, and what would be the ongoing costs of these structures? The costs are dependent on what state you'll be opening up your uh, your structure. Um, those fees vary because of state fees, so on and so forth. But I'll give you an estimate anywhere between 5 to $800, like I said, depending on the state. Then the ongoing cost is uh, its always going to be a yearly fee, about $125 to $150. That includes registered agent fee. What I mean by registered agent is all the mail will be coming to that resident in that state and then passed along to yourself. And that also includes the annual renewal fee to the state. Then to file, um, we typically charge $575 per tax return. And then if it is a partnership, you would have a partnership tax return, and then you'll have your individual tax returns that we typically cut breaks for. And, you know, we'll charge an additional like 175 to 200 per individual tax return. But one thing that I should note uh, we are certified acceptance agents with the IRS that um, assist us in streamlining and being able to obtain ITINs for foreign investors. What is an ITIN? It's an individual tax identification number. It's equivalent to a Social Security number in the United States. You need this number in order to file a personal tax return, which is called a 1040NR, non-resident return. And it's a one-time fee of $425. This needs to be renewed every three years, um, and we also hold that service as well. Yeah, and I should mention for people who don't know anything about ITINs, it's also required if you want to get uh, uh, credit cards, uh, loans it's 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 a handy number that you can use on a lot of the paperwork instead of a social security number <laughs> correct for someone who's starting fresh off hasn't bought anything in the states uh mm-hmm. what kind of things they need to set up first i know like we just talked about the i10 uh the llc um i guess a bank account is there anything else that they would need to get set up before they went and put an offer on a property well honestly it would, uh the it, the main thing would be opening up a structure like you want to you want to get a structure going then um purchase your property or just do it all at once because majority of the time you're going to be purchasing the property 
in your uh, structured entity. And what kind of time frame does it take to set the structure up? You know what? That all goes back to uh, the actual state. states. Some <laughs> yeah. states, yeah, some states take longer than usual. Um, so I'll give you an example. Michigan, they've been basically taking like half a day lately. Um, they moved to an online uh, service program, which in the beginning had some uh, kinks. They um, they got that together, but then you have a state like Texas or Alabama that's going to take about a week, week and a half. So um, it just depends on the state. Well, thanks very much for your time, Ellie. What I would love all the listeners to do is if you have more questions or even elaborate on these questions, send them to Ali, but also send them to me because if you have the question, probably somebody else does, and maybe we'll get uh, Ali and his partner to come on another time and we'll you know, deep dive whatever is left over for questions that people had off of this podcast. Maybe we'll in a couple months or six months or something, we'll come back and revisit the whole thing and see if there's, you know, we just want to provide as much information as we can for all of you. Ali, if uh, people wanted to get a hold of you, maybe you could give uh, some of your contact information. Yeah, definitely. If you guys would like to get a hold of me, please email me at A-A-J-A-M-I at G-T Services cpa.com we also have a website at www.gtservicescpa.com and you guys can give me a call at 313-395-3113 ask for Ali, Ajmi or Brent Green we are open, uh, basically, um, 24-hour service. Whatever you guys need, um, we'll get back to you. And uh, looking forward to speaking to anybody that has any questions. Perfect. Thanks for your time. You know what? Actually, maybe I should mention my contact information. But if you want to get a hold oh. of me as well, it's Glenn at glensutherland.com. So it's G-L-E-N-1-N, then S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. But, yeah, send questions over. I'm always open to uh, get on the phone and have a conversation, or even if you're in the Cambridge area or within like an hour of there, I will go meet you for coffee. Um, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode, everyone. Uh, next week, we have Raheem from Knightsbridge FX coming on the show. Uh, he's going to speak to what's the future of our dollar going to hold and what's influencing the dollar right now. Um, I hope to see you guys next week. Thanks.